0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Star City Podcast—the place where you can listen in on conversations with people just like you, talking about life, family, and faith. I'm your host, and my name is Brian Smith. Today, we're going to be talking with Adam and his wife, Adrian McClendon. Adam is a professor and the associate dean for the John W. Rawlings School of Divinity over in nearby Lynchburg, Virginia. He and his wife have spent years in local church ministry, and now they are influencing the future leaders of the church through their work at Impact with young men and women over there at Liberty University. Adam is also a published author of four books and another one on the way, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later in our conversation today. So, McClendons, welcome to Star City Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Hey, let's jump right in and uh, talk a little bit about your own spiritual journey together. Uh, How did each of you become followers of Jesus Christ?
1: I guess I'll start. I am a fortunate woman. I was raised in a family that loved Jesus, my parents, my grandparents, and they instilled that love in my life. I was raised in the Deep South, so every time the door was open, we were there. So Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And it was in a revival when I was 10 years old that it was actually a distant cousin preaching. I realized that I needed to turn my life over to Jesus and make him my Lord and Savior. And God has graciously sent other people into my life to help me in that journey, to grow me in faith and godliness. And um, it was at that same church that I met my husband when he was 15 and I was almost 17 and We've been on this journey ever since.
0: I'll be. So you were in your teen years when you came to place your faith and trust in Christ. I
1: was 11.
0: Okay, not yeah. quite not in quite entering adolescence. Right. All right, wonderful. Uh, Adam, what
2: about you? How did you become a Christian? Yeah, so I was fortunate in the idea of being exposed to the gospel for the first time when I was very young. Unfortunately, while I received Jesus, I'm grateful for that, the church environment I was in wasn't very healthy, and so eventually my parents went through a divorce, Had a very rocky time in my life. But I'm grateful for those Sunday school teachers that shared with me the beautiful story of the gospel using one of those wordless books where you had the black, the red, the white, the green, and the yellow, and told me about my sin and redemption through Jesus alone. Later on, though, as I went through this really rebellious stage, just out of pain and hurt, I always say, I use the phrase, God recaptured my heart, meaning that I knew I was a Christian, but but there was this season of rebellion for, for my pain, where God kind of recaptured my heart, helped me understand that life was about Him, not responding to my circumstances. So when I was 15 and a half, I rededicated my life to the Lord and have been living for Him ever since.
0: Wow. And it was about that time then that Adrian started giving you a ride to That's church. right. Absolutely. And uh, did you ask for the ride first, or did you
2: offer for the ride first, Adrian?
1: My guess is knowing my husband, he probably asked first.
2: (laughs) I was, i I tell you, I was so broken and God was redeeming my life in such a beautiful way in my story that anybody that would give me a ride to church, I just wanted to be with the people Mm -hmm. of God. I was so desperate for that. And she was gracious enough to give me one of those rides. Now, little did you know what great plans God had for the two of you when you were just giving,
0: uh, giving... Adam, a ride to church, That's Avery. true.
1: It started a friendship of many years. So.
0: so tell us, how did y'all become a husband, wife, and, and a family? How did that happen?
1: Well, we were friends from our youth group. So there was about four of us, and we hung out and did everything teenagers usually do and um, gave them lots of rides to places because I was blessed to have a car. And uh, so from that friendship, I went off to college, and he went off to the Marine Corps. I was a year ahead of him in school. and we both kind of realized at the same time that God was like, hmm, this might be the man for you. And I said, oh, okay. And I informed him that he was the man for me. <laughs> and uh, he later came to realize that I was correct. And so, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, as
2: we go on this journey as and our friendship develops, just loving Jesus together, we start thinking about the qualities we would want in a spouse. We see that in each other mm-hmm. and eventually just have a, a very serious conversation about what our future might look like together, and we decide to start dating, and the rest is history. Yeah. So, did you get married when you got out of the Marines, Adam? Or no, we, we were, were still in. The yeah, we were still in. So, we dated for a year, we're engaged for a year, got married. Four and a half months after we got married, I was sent to Japan for a year unaccompanied, yeah. so she had to stay behind, and that's mm. a whole nother podcast in and of itself. <laughs> it but is. Incredible story of just dealing with anger, pain, disappointment, and also you know these newlyweds that are separated, but God. Got us through it, and it's been -hmm. a a great journey. It has. That is wonderful. Now, you have several children,
0: and tell us a little bit about your children.
1: We have four children. Uh, My oldest, Madeline, is a senior at Liberty. Uh, She'll be graduating in December. We have a senior in high school, and she'll be going to Liberty in the fall. Then we have a junior in high school, and then my son is a freshman in high school. So.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Well, um, as as I've already said in the introduction, Adam, that you are the associate dean of the School of Divinity for the John W. Rawling School of Divinity over at Lynchburg at Liberty. Uh, tell us a
2: little bit about the Divinity School and, and what do you do in the role of associate dean? I absolutely love what we're doing there and what I get to do. So basically, we have about a thousand students residentially, about ten thousand students online, and our job is to come alongside the local church in helping them to fulfill their quest in the Great Commission. And so what we do is we help raise up students that are entrusted to us from the local church so they will be impassioned with the gospel to go back and serve the local church. So that's what we get to do. My specific role in that is working mostly with the faculty. We have over 50 to 60 residential faculty and adjuncts. We have many times that online, as well as working with the students, dealing with everything from appeals to questions to all types of stuff, theological issues. One of the distinctives I love about us is we have a lot of what I call partner seminaries and universities around the country that hold firmly to the fundamentals of the faith in a society that's ever sliding into liberalism. And so we partner with those, but we are here because we believe that our job is to support the faith that local churches have sown into the lives of their young people, while most other universities in our country, unfortunately, are seeking to undermine that faith. And so we believe we are anchoring them deeply in Jesus so they can go out as champions for Christ in a secular world. You know, you and Adrian were in the pastoral ministry of a local church before you came to
0: uh, the Divinity School uh, there in Lynchburg. And of course, being a pastor, you were very familiar with relationships and how important that is for the basis of ministry in the context of a local church family. It seems like many of the things that you were doing there Mm -hmm. in context as a pastor, even though now you're a professor and a dean, you're still... Practicing those same principles, aren't you, and working with uh,
2: young men and young women in in seminary and college? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, shepherding is shepherding, right? God doesn't call us once we walk outside the doors of a building to quit doing that one another. And we have a responsibility to pour into, raise up, mentor, discipleship, whatever term we call it. We are the family of God. Now, we're unique when we gather in worship, but we're still the family of God when we're not gathering. So many of those same skill sets, me those same responsibilities I get to carry out in the context of a university. Wonderful. Uh, now, what are some of the things
0: that you try to help your students to understand and hold on to as many of them look forward to being
2: future missionaries or pastors of local churches? So I think the top two for me— is one, the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father apart from him. We live in a world that people don't care what you believe as long as you don't project it upon them, or it's not too exclusive. Jesus is pretty exclusive, right, when we read <laughs> the New he Testament. He certainly is. The second is, and I think it, they're, they're complimenting one another, is the inspiration and inerrancy of the Word of God. Again, we live in a society that thinks the Bible is a is a good book alongside of a lot of other books, but so the Bible doesn't claim to just be a good book. It claims to be the Word of God. It's inspired. It's God-breathed. And so those two elements, we really spend a lot of time with students, helping them have confidence in the Word of God and confidence in the gospel, which is who Jesus is.
0: Boy, that's such an important truth uh, that you touch on both of those, uh, Adam, especially now even in evangelical. Christian circles, there's this idea that if you want to be an effective witness, just love Jesus and love people, but don't let the Bible get in the way. Mm -hmm. When actually, uh, Jesus is the living word, and he is the author of the word that is alive in us, that we
2: follow in our Bibles. That's right, and occasionally it's an offensive word, because anytime we have a line of truth that's subjective, that's outside our subjective preferences, uh, it rubs us the wrong way occasionally. It's so true. You know, uh, Jesus didn't call us to a life of grins and giggles,
0: but instead he called us to pick up our cross and follow Mm. him. And it is understanding uh, what God's word says in truth, dealing with the difficult things of life as well as the easy things of life, that we really grow in our faith because, as God says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by his word. Well, Adrian, what are some of the things that you've been able to do in ministry together uh, with Adam and, and your family now that you're no longer actively serving in the role of a pastor's wife? I imagine a little bit of a change from what you were used to in Missouri.
1: It It is a little bit of a change, but not a whole lot. Um, we made it our mission from the time we were early on in ministry that we would do ministry in our home and um, so that our children would see that pattern lived out in front of them. And so we've been able to keep some of that up while we're at Liberty. Uh, we often do premarital counseling with some of the wonderful couples that we um, have learned to know and love at Liberty. And we do things like hosting his class over to our house just to hang out, eat tacos and talk and get to know and give them a feel of home for a little bit. So that's a little well, bit of the thing. Yeah, and we if I do. could jump
2: in here, you know, what's interesting is a lot of people think, well, the ministers are the the pastors, right? You know, Brian, you're you're the senior pastor. But really, we're all called to be ministers, right? Mm-hmm. So just because my wife and I are not on, quote-unquote, staff at a church, we're called to minister. So we lead a life group. Yeah. We're doing a lot of the same things that we did before, mm-hmm. just at a, a different scale and a different scope, but it's the same activity. Mm-hmm. You know, the, several years ago are really a little bit longer than that Dr. John Piper wrote a
0: book, uh, Brothers Were Not... Professionals. Uh, professionals. That's right. You know, we're servants, we're shepherds, and uh, and that comes through no matter what our time schedule might look like, because that's a 24-7 calling, uh, not a... Puncher card time clock. True. Well, well, Adrian, having served as a pastor's wife, I want to go back to you for just a moment. Is there a word of encouragement that you might like to share with other pastors' wives, or maybe with other Christian women in general, when it comes to being a blessing to their pastor's wife?
1: I think in terms of being a blessing to their pastor's wife, just remember that she's real. She's going to have hard days, just like you. She's going to have a child that has a fit in the grocery store. She's going to um, struggle on days. She's going to have down days, too. Um, Just remember, she's just as real as you are. There's nothing magical about the role of a pastor's wife. Um, I've always looked at it as my job and my blessing to love and support my husband. That's my job and blessing, whether he's in ministry or out of ministry. Um, So it looks different at different seasons. Um, So my encouragement, I think, to other ladies in ministry is to just be real and allow others to see your realness. Um, because that will impact more of their lives, um, and it'll be more impactful to them than if they just see the facade mm. of a lady who's got it all together because she loves Jesus. I can be a lady who doesn't have it all together and still love Jesus.
0: That's so. <laughs> right. You know, sometimes as Christians, if we're not careful, we can create this image that of super saints. Mm-hmm. You know, we just kind of walk in a little bit six inches off the ground mm-hmm. and a little right. bit different from everybody else. But but that's not who we are, and mm-hmm. that's not what Jesus has called us to do. Um, great, great word of counsel and encouragement, Adrian. Thank you so much. Now, Adam, you've written several books, four, and you have a fifth one coming out. And I believe one of the early books that you wrote was called Back to the Basics which you co-wrote with Matt Kimbrough. Now, I understand that it's a book about what a life of faith in Christ looks like. What led you to write this book, and, and what are some of the main ideas in it?
2: Yeah, so it's square one, back to the basics, and it's basically a discipleship book. So a lot of churches have picked it up to use it as a basic discipleship tool. A lot of believers have. It's essentially walking through some of the more important elements that are early on in our faith. Whether you're a mature saint or a new believer, or you're exploring the truths of Christ, so it starts off with Gar's story, about the redemptive work of Christ, then our status, how through that we are proclaimed righteous, and then how because of that righteousness, how we're supposed to live. And so it walks all the way through from the first stages through our relationship with him in glory at the end of the age. And I, I just think it's a great little tool that people can use to grow in their faith. It, it seems to be a book designed uh, for someone who might be questioning Christianity, its validity,
0: or someone wanting to grow as a Christian in their faith and and, and realign themselves with the fundamentals, what it means to follow yeah, Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you're working on
2: another book these days. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we're not sure the, what the final title will be. It's probably going to be like the three-dimensional leader, but it's basically being written with... Um, Rod Dempsey, and then Dave Early as well, and it's about the biblical character, the spiritual power, and the practical competency of a Christian leader. No matter what environment you're in, if you're a Christian, as a leader, we need these three components together, and so I was privileged to write the biblical character component primarily based on 1 Timothy 3. Boy, that sounds great, Adam. Uh,
0: Well, Adam and Adrian, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity for this conversation together, and and I'm afraid, friend, that that is all the time that we have for today's podcast. Uh, I want you to be praying for Adam and for Adrian and their work over at the John W. Rawlings School of Divinity, and I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us today here on the Star City Podcast, where you can always listen in on interesting conversations about life, work, family, and faith. I hope that you will tell someone else this week about the Star City Podcast and invite them to listen in with us. Next time, or listen in on some of our past podcast programs, which are available both on Apple and Spotify. And be sure to tell them to download our First Roanoke app where they can enjoy all of our studies and messages and much, much more through our First Roanoke Media Ministry. Well, thank you again for listening today. I'm Brian Smith, and may God richly bless you and yours by His grace, and as always, for is glory.